Colonial CEO defends ransomware response at Senate hearing, and hundreds arrested in global crime sting as the FBI pulls off a stroke of deception. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Colonial Pipeline CEO Joseph Blount testified in front of lawmakers at Capitol Hill this week regarding the recent ransomware attack that prompted the shutdown of the key East Coast pipeline. To tell us more about what happened, here's Scott Ferguson, Managing Editor for GovInfo Security. Hi, Scott. Hi, Anna. Good to be with you again. So, Scott, Colonial doesn't seem to be let off the hook just yet. These hearings, of course, come in the same week as when the Justice Department reported a successful mission to retrieve $2.3 million in Bitcoin paid by Colonial Pipeline to ransomware hackers in April. But back to the actual hearings, what did we actually learn? Well, Anna, we didn't learn too, too much new from what wasn't already talked about in, in, in public. We know Colonial paid. We know, as you mentioned, that they were able to claw back about half of what they paid thanks to the FBI. Um, We did learn some things, um, especially in the House hearing that was Wednesday of this week. Uh, We found out that uh, even though that they did pay, they didn't inform the FBI until several days later that they actually had paid the ransom. Uh, We learned that the company does have cyber insurance and it has put in a claim for the money it paid out and it'll likely be reimbursed for that. So that was another new part that came with that. We also found out that the attackers through FireEyes investigation were in the network sometime in late April and the attack happened in May. So it wasn't that long of an attack. This seems to have unraveled pretty quickly. Um, And uh, the other part of this hearing too is, is as you mentioned, they did get a bit of a grilling from from some of the lawmakers. Uh, John Katko, a congressman from New York, who's the ranking member of the One House Committee, talked a little bit about not blaming the victim, but saying we've been telling organizations such as yourselves, you need to improve your cybersecurity stance or these things were going to happen. When are we finally going to see some action by the private sector? So I think they did get a little bit of that. They were questioned about why CISA wasn't brought in right away. Why hasn't CISA been allowed to see parts of the network afterwards? That was a big point of contention. Um, And also too about you know, what might be coming down the road as far as regulation. I think that's going to be the next step. These hearings are going to turn into some sort of proposed bill around operational technology security, critical infrastructure security, et cetera. Okay, so what was your take on the way both sides presented themselves? It seemed that Blount was on the defensive and some have called the senators questioning as tough. You said there was also a measured response. So what did you make of the two sides? Well, Blount obviously was on the defensive and he came in a very, very much apologizing for what had happened, saying the right things. We're going to make improvements. We, we understand where our shortcomings are now. We're not going to let this happen again. I paid the ransom because it was in the best interest of the country. So he had a defense kind of baked into his testimony. Uh, But as I mentioned, some of the uh, senators and some of the representatives in the House really did want to go after him for some specifics, uh, how close the company worked with the TSA to make sure that their cybersecurity was up to par. A, A couple other issues, again, when CISA was involved, why wasn't the FBI told about the ransomware payment sooner? 
Um, and there were some other things in there that, you know, they were trying to drill in a little bit uh, down into it. Again, I think a lot of these hearings are going to result in some sort of proposed bill that will that will sort of look at this security. So, but I don't think it was as harsh as it could have possibly have have been. And I think Blount tried to try to try to blunt some of that some of that by apologizing right away. He didn't take offense. He he answered all questions. So he definitely had a strategy set up to sort of deflect a little bit about what was what was coming through um, on there. But there were some interesting details that came out of this, and I think some more will come out as as we go along in the weeks and months ahead. And so what's the next step in the colonial saga? Well, I think the next step really isn't so much with the company. My take would be the next step is really what President Biden and President Putin will talk about when they meet in Geneva next week on, on June 16th. This started a whole dialogue of whether Russia was harboring or turning a blind eye to ransomware gangs working within their country. This has sort of been example one. I think uh, the JPS attack was example number two, and this is going to be talked about. So I think the next step is really outside of Congress and what's going to be happening on the geopolitical stage when it comes to these two leaders talking. Um, As I mentioned before, I think closer to home, there'll probably be at least a bill or a couple bills proposed that'll move through that'll move through parts of Congress to address some of the issues that that had come up here. And of course, drilling down to, again, whether companies should pay ransomware, whether these payments should be outlawed, or is there some other way to kind of approach that? So that would be sort of my next steps. Fascinating times. Thank you so much, Scott, for your insight. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate it. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. International law enforcement seems to have pulled off an intriguing operation of deception. As it was revealed this week, criminals had been depending on an encrypted communications platform to coordinate their operations. Little did they know this was a mere honeypot for law enforcement to monitor their criminal activities. Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, investigates. This week, a global consortium of law enforcement agencies revealed an operation that was audacious in scope and apparently quite effective. Known by such codenames as Trojan Shield, Ironside, and Greenlight, the operation involving the FBI, Australian Federal Police, and other law enforcement agencies tricked criminals into using an encrypted communications service called Anom, as in Anonymous. Calvin Shivers, Assistant Director of the FBI's Criminal Investigative Division, provided further details at a Tuesday press conference hosted by Europol at its headquarters in the Dutch city of The Hague. Criminals and criminal organizations often use encrypted platforms to shield their illicit activity from law enforcement. These platforms help criminals facilitate and coordinate drug trafficking, violent assaults, murders, public corruption, money laundering, and many other crimes that are committed all around the world. Through Operation Trojan Shield, the FBI and our international law enforcement partners from across the globe were able to turn the tables on criminal organizations and gain access to their communications in order to disrupt their criminal activity. Over the last 18 months, the FBI provided criminal organizations in over 100 countries encrypted devices that allowed us to monitor their communications. And there were a number of things that resulted from this. Not only have we heard about the number of arrests and the number of seizures, but there were over 100 threats to life 
that were mitigated. And to give you an idea of the magnitude of, of our penetration, uh, we were able to actually see photographs of hundreds of tons of cocaine that were concealed in shipments of fruit. We were able to see hundreds of kilos of cocaine that were concealed in canned goods. Based on court documents, Anom appeared to have been developed by a former developer for Phantom Secure. That service sold customized Android and BlackBerry devices. These so-called cryptophones would have all non-essential functionality removed or deactivated, such as microphones, GPS positioning, USB ports, and default apps. Instead, the service installed its own apps, which provided an encrypted chat service, including the ability to send images. Law enforcement said Phantom Secure was a haven for criminality, and in 2018, it disrupted the service and arrested the Canadian man who ran it, Vincent Ramos, and four associates. Ramos, in 2019, was sentenced to serve nine years in prison. In response, many criminals moved to rival cryptophone services, such as EncroChat and Sky Global. EncroChat was then infiltrated by law enforcement, leading to the service shutting itself down in mid-2020. Likewise, the law enforcement hit against Sky Global shut it down in March of this year and resulted in the two Canadians who ran the service being indicted on RICO charges. Seeking to change things up, the FBI hit on a novel solution. Namely, why not run a service controlled by the Bureau and trick criminals into using it so they could monitor what criminals were doing? Such an opportunity arose in 2018 when an individual who was facing a six-year prison sentence for narcotics importation told the FBI about a next-generation cryptophone they had built called Anom. The FBI took the informant up on the offer. Shortly thereafter, it was beta-tested through several of the informant's affiliates who'd previously supplied Phantom Secure devices, instead being offered this now lucrative deal to distribute Anom devices to about 50 individuals in Australia targeted for their suspected crime links. From there, uptake continued in Australia, with the FBI later gaining legal approval to distribute and monitor the devices in the states. Officials say the service ultimately sported about 9,000 active users, all of whom were using it purely for criminal purposes. The investigation grew, ultimately comprising 16 countries' law enforcement agencies. Here's Janine Vandenberg, Chief Commissioner of the Netherlands National Police Unit, which participated in this sting operation. Up to the present moment, thousands of criminal users wrongly believe themselves to be unobserved in their communication via this service. Eventually, hundreds of criminal organizations were using this platform. It has a good reputation among criminals. They mutually promoted it as the platform you should use for its absolute reliability. But nothing was further from the truth. Thanks to the operation, more than 800 suspects have been arrested, tons of illegal drugs seized, as have firearms, and more than $48 million in various worldwide currencies and cryptocurrencies. Europol says that countless spin-off operations will be carried out in the weeks to come as part of a continuing effort to identify and take down high-value criminal targets on a global scale. As a side benefit, officials have also highlighted the fact that they were able to roll out this sort of cryptophone service and say that, psychologically speaking, they hope criminals think twice about using any such service in the future. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz.
And finally, a member of Australia's parliament is calling for the government's spy agency to take offensive action against some of the world's most notorious ransomware gangs. Here's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, with more on the story. Should Australia's spy agency hack back against ransomware gangs? A member of Australia's parliament says yes. Labor MP Tim Watts is calling for the Australian Signals Directorate, known as ASD, to take offensive action against some of the most prominent ransomware gangs. Last week in Parliament, Watts called for the government to, quote, unleash the hounds against ransomware groups that are threatening Australia's business and health sectors. Watts and his opposition Labor Party are also calling for the government to create a national ransomware strategy. Five years ago, ASD first revealed that it had developed an offensive cyber capability. Since then, that's been used to disrupt terrorism-related recruitment and also cyber criminals involved in business email compromise and phishing schemes. Watts tells me that ransomware should also be in its remit. Here's Tim Watts. Ransom, ransomware has just gotten out of control and told our economy and our nation. If uh, ASD has intervened in phishing campaigns and PC campaigns, um, you know, it's past time that... Like much of the world, Australia has suffered ransomware attacks against schools, companies, and hospitals. This year, that's included eight hospitals as well as nine entertainment, which is a broadcaster that was disrupted in March. Meat production in Australia was also temporarily halted after the attack against JBS, which is the largest meat producer in Australia and also the world. However, Watt says that offensive action isn't going to work on its own. It would be just one part of a comprehensive strategy proposed by Labor that includes policy changes law enforcement action, and diplomatic efforts. The thinking behind offensive action would be to reduce the returns of ransomware groups targeting Australia and also increase the costs of those groups to mount successful operations. It could also include disrupting command and control and communication channels and looking for choke points around cryptocurrency payments. Here's Watts again. The objective of, of our, our strategy for the government to adopt um, is to alter the targets and calculate these groups have. Um, and encourage them to decide that targeting Australian organisations just not permitted to it. Casey Ellis is CTO, founder and chairman of the vulnerability disclosure platform BugCrowd. He says Watt's suggestion is an important step forward in the fight against ransomware. The lack of a deterrent has seen some ransomware crews act with increasing impunity. Here's Casey Ellis. I believe it's an important step to take to, you know, for the sake of the public, and for the sake of sending a deterrent message to the attackers. But offensive action isn't a replacement for proper defense. Organizations are still going to have to strive to improve their base level of security, as that is the only way they'll be able to deflect attacks. Here's Ellis again. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, bad guys are going to bad guy. Uh, yep. and, and you, you know, deterrence is going to stop some of them because it'll be effective in, the, in that sense. Um, but there's always going to be an edge case to that because that's really how cyber works. So at that point, the only little option that you've got is to make sure that you've, you've got a proper defense. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.